Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting vautiercommunications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we welcome back John Vautier and Matt Nazer to talk about conversational skills and their importance in the workplace and beyond. Great to have you both back with us. First, let's define conversational skills or tone. I read an article that was talking about conversational tone in regards to writing, but I think the same concepts, what that author was talking about still applies to any type of communication. In the article, They said, it's a way of interacting or communicating that sounds like one friend enthusiastically selling something to another friend. In this case, it's still about selling, but in a way that is honest, transparent, and respectful of your audience or the person you're speaking to. And I think that's a really easy way to think about conversational tone when it comes to business. We all have our quote unquote business voices or tones that we put into play when something is a little bit more formal, or maybe it has really high stakes. But then we also flip in and out of this conversational tone all the time. And a lot of our business is still done on that conversational side. So I want to start by talking about when and where it is more acceptable to have that conversational tone. And Matt, let's go to you first. Yeah, thanks, Jen. And I think when we get into where it's acceptable, we we start thinking a lot about where we wouldn't want to have that conversation. And we start to give the term conversation a very less serious meaning and something where we're not utilizing it as much as a tool as we would with some of our other business scenarios. And then we start to think about things like before a meeting, when we're waiting for people to either join a waiting room or we're sitting around the conference table waiting for the rest of the participants to come in. The wrap up of that meeting where people are leaving, but there still may be some conversation around the room, whether it's work centric, something about what you're doing with your weekend. We see these day in and day out within our business scenarios, and they happen not only with the clients that we serve, but they also happen with the people we work with in a day to day setting. And they're helping us to become more familiar with our coworkers. Some other places that we're going to see this conversational tone coming into our communication is with Q&As, where people are going to be asking you for a little bit more of a deep dive on some information you may have shared. It may have created a little bit of a tangent, as you could see in a larger talk like a TED Talks, where somebody may open the floor to conversation at the end. And then lastly, I think where it's the most reasonable and the most acceptable is that water cooler talk or a building report. It's a lot of what we see with our clients. It's a lot of what we see with our coworkers where it's not going to be those things that we're talking about the other 95% of our workday, but it's that five or 10 minute break for that person you're speaking to, to have a bit more lighthearted conversation with you, to get to know you outside of that workplace. And that on the back end gets to refine those workplace relationships so that when you work with them on a project or a call to action somewhere in the future, you all are a little bit more familiar with each other. 
Yeah, great points. And I really like your your pre-meeting suggestion first. Most people, we've talked about nervousness before on our podcast, and most people are nervous at the very beginning. And so having these conversations and interacting with your audience before you get started, especially if you don't know all of them, allows you to have a little bit more familiarity. So when you do begin, you aren't speaking to an entire group of strangers, even if you just talked for five minutes about some of their favorite pastimes, it could be how many kids they have at home, what they did this weekend. It doesn't really matter what the content is, but we have a little bit more of a relationship with that person or group of people. And so that can help subside some of those nerves at the very beginning as well. Okay, then let's switch to the other side. John, when should you be more conscious of having too much of a conversational tone? Yeah, I think the setting varies, Jen. I think we we tell people half the battle is knowing your audience. So I think as we look at the audience and we look at what's the topic, what are we there to talk about, that should give pretty good direction or pretty good guidance on how conversational in tone should I be or how informal in this communication space would I want to come across. I think you look at larger group meetings where time is probably of the essence. You may decide to be less flexible on the conversational nature because you want to make sure everyone realizes that you want to make good use of their time. And if you spend 10, 15 minutes of a 30 minute talk with pleasantries or things that would be less worthy of the time spent from the masses, you would hate for that audience to leave and say, it was okay. I don't think I got much out of it because the conversational tone took us in a direction we didn't want it to. Mm -hmm. I think there's, an aspect of when you're talking about deadlines, you're talking about issues, whether positive or negative, I think being conscious of the tone that you're choosing to use is going to make make or break how that, how that outcome is. I think during interview processes, right, as you're interviewing with other people, having too conversational of a tone might make it, might leave the wrong impression for the person. That doesn't mean you can't have an engaging or pleasant interaction, just as Matt described on the front end, right? Pre-meeting or wrap up. Mm -hmm. But you want to be conscious of who your audience is. And if you're dealing with busy or big stakeholders that you realize they just want the need to know, and they don't care as much about the nice to know information, then you're going to adjust your tone or adjust your delivery in terms of communicating based on the audience you have. And, And if you're unsure, right? We have people who say, John, I'm not, I'm not sure how to read this audience. Then my advice would be to to match or mimic, we call it mirroring, the tone that's used. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good, safe place to go to if you really, truly believe I don't know this audience well enough or I'm not exactly sure the tone I should be using with them. Nothing wrong with mirroring what you might see from the audience being used in terms of their tone and then adjusting things, flexing it more formal, flexing it back less formal based on where things progress from there. Yeah, I think those are great points too. In our programs, the groups that we work with can vary so much. So sometimes we have groups that they love having a lot of that conversational interaction in between sections, or we talk about a certain topic and then they really do want to have this big discussion around it. And they find a lot of value in that. And that's great. With other groups, the conversation isn't there or maybe one or two people out of the 12 that we're working with really want to have a conversation, but you can tell the other, the majority of the group isn't really interested in that. And then that's our role as the presenter, the speaker, the person that's running the meeting and the program 
to get back on track and make sure things continue to move forward for the rest of the group. So I think it's really important to be flexible, but as the person running the meeting or the interaction, it's also on you to make sure that we move things along and we are reading the room to know when it's appropriate to let it go a little bit longer and when we might need to get back on track and keep things moving. I really liked at the end there, you talked about matching and reading the tone. And I think that leads to a great topic when we talk about matching and reading. Matt, how would you adjust your tone given certain situations you might find yourself in? So with a lot of those situations, I think I saw it a lot when I was working in that corporate environment that when you come into a meeting, some of those meetings have preset standards already around them. So if you're coming into somewhere where you're working simply around project tasks, maybe with a manager or one direct report, or it's simply a meeting asking for more info, you get something that's a bit more casual and chit chat in nature. And I think John touched upon it really well when he talked about formality, knowing the formality of your audience, where they are seated in comparison to you, whether you're dealing with stakeholders that are above you, or you're dealing with people who may be in your direct report chain, those conversations are going to go a little bit differently. Like I said, with that building rapport and the pre-meeting and the meeting wrap-up, these chit-chat scenarios are where you're going to be able to bring in some of that personal conversation, some of what I did this weekend, what my plans are, or generally, like you mentioned, Jen, about your kids or about some family life that you feel may be interesting to everybody else. Mm -hmm. There's also going to be that tone when you're in the workplace that's extremely project-oriented. And we see these a lot more when we're going into direct workflow or direct work stream channels, and we're having meetings in there where you may be meeting with 10 or 12 people, but it's directly revolving around solving one problem, getting something done, as John said, doing things where you have those deadlines or those issues and being mindful of everybody else's time. This is still somewhere where you're going to be able to be conversational, but a lot of what you're doing conversationally is talked about work. So it's things that are next steps, calls to action, what exactly needs to be done by who, rather than something that may be like a pre-meeting conversation where it's what you're doing for the weekend. So drawing that line with your audience is usually important and just seeing exactly who sits on the call or what that call may be about usually is enough information on that tone and on that group of people to allow you to know which setting is correct. Yep. And I think you both mentioned an aspect of this you can still come across as warm and personable without going too far over into that conversational side. And so I don't want anybody to think that you have to be, you know, Mr. Jones, it's nice to see you. Thank you for your time. While there are situations where we are more formal, buttoned up, get to the point, there are other situations where it's maybe not conversational so much, where we're not asking about their favorite pastimes and things like that. But we can still have that warm delivery where it does feel like a conversation. But as you just mentioned, it is focused more around work or the engagement that we're dealing with, the project that we are trying to get back on track, whatever the information might be. At times, it may feel as though the tone is not as open for conversation. John, what are your thoughts there? I think here you've just got to be mindful again of who your audience is. And this is where I like to, to say two things. One, you want to polish, polishing your 
your presence, your delivery, your message. I think it's cutting out some of the fluff, being more succinct, more direct in certain situations when that audience would mend themselves to saying, hey, I I need the information right now. And there's not a lot of time for for pleasantries. Mm -hmm. I think the other is what you just mentioned, Jen, a moment ago, being flexible. And and I'll, I'll talk about it through the lens of being intentionally appropriate. Depending on any given situation, you can be that formal buttoned up self, but you also have the ability to move into a more sociable situation where people can feel like, oh, okay, I let my, I can let my guard down now. This is just a general conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'll use an example here. When I was in college, I was in a fraternity and I had fraternity brothers who I know I could take around my parents or I could take around my professors. And I know they'd be able to flex or be intentionally appropriate when they had to be. I won't name name names. And I know fraternity brothers who I wouldn't bring to those situations because they didn't necessarily have that skill or that tool, if you will, of being able to be intentionally appropriate. That person I knew in the frat house was that person in the frat house all the time. And there were situations where I would say I wouldn't necessarily bring them in front of a professor because I don't know how that would look given their delivery, their mannerisms, their behavior. And obviously these gentlemen grow up and they start to realize these things some faster than others, Mm -hmm. but it's almost this idea of knowing how can I be in a situation that allows for myself or others that I'm interacting with to be appropriate based on the direction of the conversation, the message that's at stake. And there are stricter tones that you would say, I'm not going to be too conversational or too informal in nature here because it wouldn't, it wouldn't be putting my best foot forward. And this is where there's just a a level of flexibility and really it's the ability to be able to, to make a decision quickly and then pivot and decide, okay, what version of me is showing up now? Yeah. And what does the situation call for, or what do I think is going to help move this conversation in the right direction? And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's buttoning up a little bit. And sometimes it is laying back. Like we talked about with some of those groups, when we can tell that an audience is really getting a lot out of having this open discussion and conversation, there are times where we should spend our time there because that's where the audience is going to leave that meeting or interaction feeling like, wow, that was a really big value add. That was very helpful. I have a better understanding. There's situations where they just feel good about that, meaning they're more likely to come back to your meetings and presentations and interactions in the future. There are other times where you don't want your audience to leave and say 45 minute meeting could have been five had we cut out a lot of that conversation where it just felt like we were wasting time as we know everybody's busy. So we do want to make the best use of people's time. And that's where, again, that reading the room and reading your audience is super important. So let's talk about how you can improve conversational communication or your conversational tone. Matt, let's go back to you first on a couple of suggestions you might have for any listeners. Yeah. So for a couple of suggestions that I would say I personally use day in and day out, I I tend to, to emphasize conversation in my daily life. So I feel like these are things that everybody can learn from and and take a piece away from. The first one is listening to the other party that you're trying to have this conversation with. If that other party one just seems totally disinterested discontinue the conversation. There's no need to continue going as your communication is going to become no more effective if they don't want to be in that conversation to begin with. The second part is in exact identifying that tone and knowing what you're going to talk about. 
listen to what you've heard maybe at the beginning of that conversation or in other conversations with that person so that you are bringing exactly what's important and what's worth their time to them. And that's something that's important to them. It's not wasting their time. It's not them turning around saying exactly what you said. That could have been an email. The second portion is simply positivity. A lot of people, when you grab them for a spur of the moment conversation or need to throw in one or two minutes of additional information at the beginning or end of a meeting in this conversational tone, when you start doing that and it has to do with a problem or an issue or it's just innately negative in the tone that you're giving it, your audience is not only less likely to want to listen to that conversation and continue the conversation, but they're also less likely to follow up with your call to action and actually do anything about what you're having that conversational tone about. So attempting to bring some of these pieces and small items of information in the most positive light possible will make it so that you get a little bit more done and there's more green flags coming out of that conversational tone. Right. People hate to hear bad news. They hate to hear no. They hate to hear everything leading with a negative. Even when we share messages with our clients, we always try and lead with a positive. Here's what we'd like you to do or what we'd like the outcome to be. And then we follow up with, here's what we we want to try to avoid or what we're trying to change right now. Because if you can put the positive first, more people are more likely to actually want to continue the conversation or interaction. Awesome. John, how about you? Any suggestions on improving conversational communication from your end? Yeah, practice is one of them, Jen. And I think we can do it all in our daily lives. Matt mentioned, you know, it's a social skill. It's something that we should be utilizing day in and day out. You just made the point of positivity, Matt. And I think there's a level of enthusiasm that comes from speakers who are skilled or artful in their ability to conversationally communicate. They're enthusiastic about what it is they're sharing, an idea, a project, news, an update, a recommendation, a proposal. You pick what that message is, but you've got some level of enthusiasm behind it. I also think as we talk about this from flexing it to more formality or flexing it back to more informal, there's something to be said about comedic timing. And I think it it lightens the the mood and it, it can help you meet your audience where they are When you're able to use humor to your advantage, you don't have to be a comedian in order to do this well. But I think there's this idea of keeping it light, having a joke where appropriate. Again, knowing your audience is the key point here, but it's not so much laugh out loud, funny humor that you're looking for, but just a basic level of your ability to bring in humor in basic conversation. And I think that that allows people to feel comfortable. It builds the rapport fairly naturally. And many of us can do this by interacting with others. And I like what Matt said about listening. If if you maintain curiosity around what other people are doing and you have some level of interest in what they're talking about, hopefully that conversation should go, should go smoothly and th- th- you'll figure out how informal or formal the tone would need to be based on what you get out of the listening portion. Our tagline or slogan is speak as well as you think. And in order to speak as well as you think, you have to think before you speak. So a lot of it is we've talked about pauses. Allow some pausing in between. Think and allow yourself some time to decide what do I want to say? What type of tone would lead to the best outcome before you just start speaking? 
a lot of people want to fill space. And so we just start to talk for the sake of talking. And that's where we can either waste time. The conversation doesn't really have a purpose or a point. It's not going anywhere or people get uncomfortable. They're not sure how to respond. So then you get that crickets where nobody wants to interact. And that can lead to even more nervousness or uncomfortableness for the, the speaker there. I'd love to hear one final takeaway or recommendation around conversational tones from both of you, if you have one. Again, Matt, maybe we'll go with you first. The one thing I would say around conversational tone is probably that it is not make or break on the formality, but it is make or break on how well you are going to get along and interact with the others you're working with, whether it's the client or it's your coworkers conversation and the ability to do that well makes it so that we can have the best relationships with those around us that we're working with day to day. And if you have a better understanding of those people that you're working with day to day, you're just going to have a much simpler, smoother, and easier work life once you're going into the office, as well as when times get tough, it's going to be easier to troubleshoot with those people that you're confident and that you know well. Yep. I think that's a great point too. I always try and tell my clients, you want the people you're talking to, to say, I could go and have a beer with that person. You don't have to, you don't need to go and do it, but that's the level of ease and familiarity you would like people to have with you. You can take things and talk about something very formal and important, but they also can communicate with you on a level where we can sit down and have lunch together and it doesn't have to be a lunch revolved around the problem, the the meeting, the presentation, we can talk back and forth comfortably throughout that as well. Great recommendation. John, how about you? To echo what Matt said, I'll keep it very simple. Be yourself. Yeah. I think coming across genuine, being sincere will work in your favor time and time again. But if you're trying to be somebody else or trying to put an act or a facade on, this isn't theater. Communication isn't theater. And as much as we can take away from the actors and actresses out there that do theater incredibly well, it's very obvious from an audience when a speaker is trying too hard and isn't being themselves. So this idea of coming across and you understanding your audience and then you telling yourself, okay, what version of me is going to show up to make the best outcome or to have the biggest success? Mm-hmm but all within your own space and taking your strengths and using them to your advantage and maybe knowing what some of your weaknesses are and working your way around some of those speed bumps, as I'll call them, not hurdles, but speed bumps mm-hmm. and can put you in a good place. And hopefully that leads to more comfort from you and more success in these environments and this type of exposure going forward. Absolutely. Authenticity is always something we tell people they should strive for. In our programs, we coach all of our skills the same way to every single person, but we tell them we're not trying to make a carbon copy of everybody. And the way that John's conversational skills are differ from the way mine are, and they differ from the way Matt's are. But all of us have the ability to jump in and out of conversational tones and then put something on that is more formal and buttoned up and let's get to the point. And being able to do that within your own parameters is really important. Awesome. So again, to summarize a little bit of the conversational tone aspects, again, know when it's acceptable and when we might want to be a little bit more conscious of letting it go too far on the conversational side so it doesn't become a waste of people's time. You want to understand 
how to read the room, how to adjust your tone based on the settings that you're in. And then there are a couple of different suggestions and recommendations for how you can start to practice some of those conversational skills moving forward. It was great to have you both back and talk about our topic today. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present, and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www.vautiercommunications.com. Thanks for listening.